Welcome to the Technoy Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Katoon. Another great show. This one's actually fun, just not that they're not fun. They're all fun. Uh, but good buddy Dan Patak, who is a huge part of Technori's history, uh, set this up. He actually met uh, Jay Schwan at Technori, uh, Solsus Mobile, and got himself a, a job at Solsus after he left Technori. And uh, he set this up. He gracefully set up uh, Kelly Manthes, the CEO of Solsus, to come on the show. Uh, we spent a lot of time talking about data. At the end of the show, we spent a lot of time talking about women in tech. Um, very strategic in that I don't like to lead with, you're a woman who's a CEO in tech. What's it like? Because I think it's stupid. I think the idea that we are all people, we all have the opportunity to take the best advantage of, of our talents is what matters most. Um, and we so we saved it for the end, but it was a, it was worth it. It's worth listening and, and even fast forwarding all the way to the end just to listen to it. Um, the idea that that little girls and, and people of, of any color and any any background can be a CEO and in tech and in anything, they can do anything. They can be president. They can do whatever. Um, and we all benefit from having a diverse thought, from having a diverse background that's not something you would have thought of. They're not prototypical. Uh, and you get a huge benefit from having a leader that's got a diverse background. And, and we talk a lot about that and just the, the importance of it. But we also spend a lot of time talking about companies in, in their use or in some cases not use of data. And, um, you know, obviously we, we discuss Facebook as an example of those who misuse data on occasion. But it's also part of the maturity process for the consumer and the user to be like, oh, what data is okay for you to use or misuse or not use? And then you got to weigh that against like, okay, how much do I enjoy having conveniences that are built on your knowledge of me? Um well, that's just in the consumer end of things. In the business end of things, um, I think data is such a huge piece of determining product market fit and, and navigating the, the understanding of how our customers will and should use our products. And it's a lot of lip service when you talk to companies about like, oh, we collect data and we use it, whatever. They don't actually know how to use it. Um, and, and companies like Solstice are building products like uh, their new decision intelligence and customer experience platform that you know, will help you find that answer, find out who your customers are literally, uh, like actual primary research, asking them real questions, following them around and seeing how they use your product. Super important stuff. Uh, great conversation. I think it will be uh, beneficial for anyone, in particular uh, those up-and-coming CEOs, to sort of see what it's like to navigate uh, a world like this. Um, before we do that, little shout-out, Chicago Innovation Ungala 626. Get your tickets. Go to chicagoinnovation.com. Um, startup inbox. Good question. Ross Whitehead, early stage marketing strategy. The startup inbox is brought to you by Active Campaign. Go beyond email marketing with true automation by signing up for activecampaign.com slash technori. Get your first two months for free. Here's the question, folks. How do I market my startup when I'm on a small budget and most of my revenue comes in and goes right back out for expenses? That sounds like most Americans. Who doesn't have their money come in and it goes right back out with, uh, before you get a chance to spend anything you want? Um, it's a good question. I mean, here's the simple answer. How do I market my startup when I don't have money to market my startup? Simulation and beta user. Going out to people, do not spend money building out the full suite of products. You don't even know what it is yet. You don't even know how people are going to use it. Discover what the exact problem is that you're trying to solve or that you think you're solving for your customer. Go find who you believe is your target customer and then ask them to give you whatever it is their problem is and help you resolve it for them 
and you can simulate it. If it's an app, if it's a it's a productivity app, it could be a, a spreadsheet. If it's you know some sort of dial up kind of thing where you, you you're going to match marketplace services, you physically call and and do the work the old fashioned way. And if they determine that that you have essentially solved the problem or made it easier for them, more valuable for them, then you start building a scalable piece of technology around that. And you've got those beta users who are kind of lifers and advocates, and you can go on things like Republic and Equity Crowdfund and actually get even more people to pay you to use your product, to test it, uh, and to, to promote it. After that, it's referrals. Those people who really like your product or really like your drive or really like the brand, whatever the case, they have the ability to refer to other friends that they know who use it. And then once you have that, if you, if you haven't figured out how to prove the scenario and build a margin or build something that the model has a better margin for once uh, you've hit a certain amount of scalability, you probably have a bigger problem. And then otherwise, you could, you could raise capital for that. But uh, the reality is marketing your product, I think, is, is very much about um, referrals and affiliate programs, meeting people who are your actual customers getting real raw feedback, helping them, asking them to please promote you within their own network, and then taking to social media and using things and, and things like you know Kickstarter or Republic for Equity Crowdfunding and actually uh, you know, trying to push your product out in front of people and, and make them early adopters. That is the best you can do. Otherwise, just raise a bunch of cash or buy a lottery ticket. That's, that's my advice. So this is my interview with Kelly Manthe, CEO of Solstice. Um, <laughs> so we'll roll right into it. I don't, I don't know if Dan... Dan Patak told you this. Uh, he's the person who set this up, obviously. Uh, he is was one of the biggest parts of Technori, uh, like, ever. Like, he and Seth Kravitz. Seth Kravitz is the founder of Technori originally. And Dan, for at least three, five years, something like that, was Seth's right-hand man. Uh, and, in fact, met, I think, Jay Schwan yeah. uh, at Technori. Yeah. And that's what ultimately led to him that's coming right. on board with you guys. So yeah, that's right. It's funny how this so like grateful. little world. The circle of life. Circle of life. The circle of Chicago tech is is like, and Technori finds itself in the middle of so many things, and I, I just find it so fascinating. Um, before we get into the whole thing, Solstice, uh, there's so many components here. It's not. It's like it's not just one company. There's multiple things yeah. in there. Uh, give me a little background on Solstice. Yeah, sure. Well, we're actually Kin and Carta. Yep. Um, we're actually um, one of the specialism businesses as part of Kin and Carta. So Kin and Carta is a digital transformation consultancy. Um, you know, we've got five businesses or specialisms, as we call them, yep. uh, that really make up our complete offering um, that we're able to bring to clients. Um, so we're a consultancy. Uh, Solstice's role um, in in the whole kind of the bigger picture is digital product um, delivery, digital product development, custom yep. custom product development. Uh, for really Fortune 500 clients. We're working on a lot of their most strategic uh, digital initiatives. Um, you know, that these like range everywhere from internal to external. Yeah, like you're, you're, yeah, you're, yeah. So probably a lot of the things that you and I use in our in our daily lives. Is there something you can say that that you guys did that I used? Is there anything uh, probably, out there? Probably. Well, I won't. I won't say the name because I don't know if I'm allowed to say it. But um, but banking applications. Uh, yeah, so I have if you one, bank, yeah. if you yeah, like to take it. pictures of checks or withdraw I do, money yeah, or yeah. pay your credit card. Um, so a lot of a lot of financial services company. If you own a certain kind of lawnmower, um, we've helped with you know kind of a, a connected application um, to okay, deliver yeah. if you're a farmer and you have a tractor. I don't, um, but I would love to farm. Yeah, and you're using if some I of could. the technology in your. Cab. We had Tillable on just a couple of weeks ago. Ah, speaking of farmers, okay, yeah. Um, but no, yeah. okay. So I, I, so I it's get fun it. things you see and use, and then it's some things that you don't see, but they power the things yeah. that we're all using. Um, so I have to ask. I, I think it's this is one of those things that I, I find fascinating. There's there's like, well, I I hate I always simplify things. There's like, 
to the detriment. <laughs> there, I was like, it's like in this case, it's like I, I would say that there's like two types of people in the in the leadership in the mm. tech side. There's the those who like the notoriety, and then there's those who really don't. Mm. There's the people who like to kind of hide behind things and like secretly know that they are the ones who created the web that you live on. Mm. Um, and and you're in a, in a situation where you probably get to work on a ton of stuff that it honestly might be better off for you guys and, and, and in general that you get to do it behind a veil. Mm. You get to create really cool things and it's not about solstice, it's about whoever the, the customer is yeah. versus those who are like, you know, they, I don't want to say it's selfish, but like they love to let you know that like, look at what I'd built. Yeah. Well, we're, um, we're, we're a values led business and one of our core values um, is around servant leadership, yep. which means making others, supporting others, pulling others up, making others better um, as a result of you um, being with them and being there. And so um, that's really what we bring to our clients. Um, we're, we're a consultancy. We exist to help them create the outcomes that they want and to support their success. And so oftentimes we're pretty, you know, a lot of times we play a pretty big role in, um, in the work that we do. Um, but really we go into it with the mindset of how are we going to help them succeed? Yeah. And, and it's really their success. And that's what we're contributing to is really their success. And so we get a lot out of that and we tend to hire people who aren't looking for the spotlight themselves, yep. but are looking to be part of, um, you know, contributing to the greater good and to be part of that team and helping others being successful. There's like a little MI6 to the yeah. to the mix, like you know, yeah. working on something behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, to that effect, well, a lot of the so this is this is where I, I start to separate the like consultancy as in general. Like I I actually try to avoid using the term consultancy mm-hmm. with a lot of the companies we talk to because it's like is to me a consultant is is generally one who's just sort of like arming you with the yeah. tools and things to yeah. support you which we we do with uh, the tech unit of technology we work on we're helping companies who need like offshore management and things like that mm-hmm. um and then there's what i just call like a partner and in this particular case from the, it sounds to me like you're not they're not coming to you these customers aren't coming to you and be like well we just need to figure out a way to let people take a picture of a, a check like that's what yeah. we need. They're coming to you going, we need to figure out a way to make people be able to deposit checks faster than they were before or in a way to do it from their home. They're not necessarily saying it has to be this and you go build it. It's like how you're a part of this iteration process of like, how would we strategically create this experience that our customers want? Yeah. Yeah. We're partnering with our clients on all ends of the digital maturity spectrum. So there's certainly a lot of the digital leaders that we work with who need um, more scale, more expertise or depth in yep. something that we have expertise in. We tend to live in the um, kind of the innovation spectrum of where technology is. So we always have that expertise in kind of the what's next. And so our digital digital leader clients really appreciate that. Um, but, you know, for businesses that are, are not quite as mature, um, you know, they're partnering with us to help them figure out, um, you know, from a strategy perspective, where should we be, where should we be playing? How are we going to win um, in that space? And what's the role that digital is going to play in that? Um, and then we need the expertise to bring it to life and to do it. And then the kind of the second piece of that is help us become um, a more digital savvy organization. Um, help us build that muscle yep. because really in the world we live in today, every business is a digital business. Yep. Um, so we're not, you know, kind of building things and then leaving. Um, we, we always say we'd like to get married. We don't, yeah. we don't like to date around. We like to get married. Um, and we, we like to partner with our clients. Um, so now that we've talked about the actual, just the business business, yeah. I want to get into the parts that's a lot, and in my mind is more interesting to everybody and more useful. Um, there's a couple of things that you guys are involved in that 
I want to highlight, we're going to talk about the the women and diversity in tech mm-hmm. piece. That's a huge part of technology, and it's a big interest of my own. And now that I have a, a new child who is a girl, mm-hmm. it's even bigger interest of mine. Yeah, I um, think she ruined our... Uh, she did. Our, she came we in when we were supposed to record. Week. That's yeah. correct. She, she yeah. was born at uh, 2.37, which it's... What are we at right now? She was born in like, you know... 32 minutes here <laughs> so so like literally uh well, you know she, thank you no it's but but it, it like re reaffirms my need of thinking like i don't want to have that conversation and be like well only men are mm. developer like i don't we're not going to start with that we're going to start with you do whatever you want and yeah. i'll go beat the hell out of people to make it happen yeah um so i want to get to that before we we you know finish yeah. our conversation but the other part that to me is really interesting and it comes right off of the last thing you said which is about the the partnership and and the digital transformation that these mm-hmm. companies go through forever uh innovation and not even innovation just general business um growth has been sort of um data as an data as an off uh, an afterthought mm. it's been these companies like have a ton of it and they don't know how to use it or they say they want to invest in creating uh, an infrastructure to collect data but then they again don't know how to apply it or use it uh, they're not using it properly to test the things that they're creating they're spending money on assumptions and not actually using the the history and the knowledge that they should have been gaining from their customers and you guys are working on uh, capabilities and decision intelligence mm-hmm. and i feel like there's two big pieces of this that are really interesting. One, from a company standpoint, there are very few people who are actually offering this like as a service and as a product in an effective manner. It's like window dressing. Mm-hmm. Do you want to be a data company? Yeah. Pay us this money and we give you this little tech tool that you'll never use. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's those who I think, you know, I could talk to Dan about this in depth, who are actually able to create a, a little stair stepper, a little ladder that te- teaches the companies how to get in it and then how to grow it. And then how to live on it, and then eventually how to like everything they do is is sort of data data based. Yeah. Um, so I, I would love to learn, you know, your background at Accenture for all that time, and, and obviously Accenture is a big data player. Yeah. Uh, what is it that you have recognized from a lot of these companies that made you guys decide we need to get in this ball game? Mm. And what is it that you guys do that will be so unique that these companies are gonna are gonna be lining up to work with you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, we, we kind of came to the realization that really the we're, we're kind of from a, a digital innovation perspective, we're in this maturity curve where um, it's about incremental innovation yep. now. Kind of a lot of the big swoops and the big movements have happened and yep. the real innovation of what's next is going to happen in the incremental and data is at the foundation of that. So we, we look at data as really fueling the next digital experience um, coupled with machine learning technology and the right use cases. So you need kind of all three of those things, the data, the machine learning technology, and the, and the know-how, um, and then and then point them at the right problems um, to solve. And then obviously you get into ethics and, and all of that yeah. um, and, and making sure that you're using the data in a responsible way um, or in, a, in an appropriate way. Um, but, but we look at it as you know conversational user experiences. Um, if you think about it, I bet you have an Alexa in your home right now. I surely do. And I bet you chat with um you know interact in in, in apps or even, we do yeah right with a, with a virtual assistant right so right there that's 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 applying um you know machine learning intelligence to data um about you uh, to make your life easier right and so um so, so there's those avenues um and then there's just the data that gets um you know from from the things that that we're using and doing and interacting with um that can help optimize experiences um when you use um you know when you use websites or in your next tra- transaction with uh with a business 
um, you know, the data that can get served up in the right in the right moment to the right person to help make your experience better. Um, so that's kind of the experience optimization um, type uh, t- type data. So I, I feel like for the last couple of years, we, I've talked about this a bunch of times on the show that there was the the big data move, mm. the big data push where everyone talked about it. Um, was a couple of years ago. Now it's really about application. It's yeah, like now it's using about making it. it real. Yeah, right. And, and we like to anchor on like moving away from the jargon and yep. making it real. And so that's why for us it's really important to get involved in, you know, gaining empathy for the end user who's going to actually be on the receiving end of interacting with the data or, you know, the experience that the data is going to fuel to understand, okay, how do we really use it? How do we really use it and create a meaningful experience? Um, data, it's such a loaded word and, and it can mean many things to many people from the storage of it, the orchestration of yeah. it, and then really putting it on steroids and applying a lot of the machine learning technologies to it. So for us, it's always about making it real and not trying to boil the ocean with it, but really taking more of a surgical knife to like, where can we um, add the most impact? I feel like the companies that, and I'm not just speaking of, well, you can go to startups, but it's really easier when you look at like the, the S&P. And you look at the companies that have had the most success and, and have performed the best over the last five years or so. Mm. I think the unfair advantage has been those that actually, we'll go back to the ethics question here, maybe ethical, maybe unethical, if you're talking about Facebook or others, mm. but generally speaking, have used data better than everybody else. They took data in, the, like you said, not using it like a buzzword, but actually specifically saying, I want to know who these people are. Mm. I want to know you know, what makes them tick. I want to know if this is my customer. I don't just want to know that they're, you know, 27 female with a college degree. I want to know, you know, are they health conscious? Are they like, I want to know the things that are decision points in their lives so that I can better find out how to, whether I'm trying to sell it to them as a marketer or as a product designer, I want to be able to to actually solve for the problems that they actually have in life because I know that that will make me sticky. Yeah. I mean, I think if you look at a company like Google, yep. you know, they they were born out of that single page with an empty search yeah. box, right? Which and, is insane. And they taught us all it. the power of data, a few simple keystrokes, and then the machine behind the scenes um, that could magically serve up exactly what you needed. And, yep. you know, thousands of pages worth, right? But could so that kind of conditioned us to what, you know, what some of the power of um, of data is. And it's, it's only getting better with the more things we're using now um, and the more open we are with our information, um, you know, the connecting the dots between all these interactions um, are becoming more apparent and more accessible. But then you go to the other side where maybe a Facebook has taken too many liberties and pushed us too far into the connecting dots realm um, with what they can do with our data. And it's made us uncomfortable, but I think it's opened up an important dialogue now about, okay, well, what's okay and what's not okay? And when do you give permission? And and, and it, it actually gives you pause, right? Like, I'm actually okay with it. It makes yeah. my life more convenient. So I'm, I'm that not was that, why I was here. I'm not that worried about it, yeah. you know, but it, it, you know, in the wrong hands, it could have really detrimental um, effects. So I think it's opening up a really good dialogue now I around too. the power of data. I, I think the, the maturation process, and we're going to experience this probably more in the next 10 years than we ever have in the history of the world, um, is people, well, not, but they have no choice. They have to start asking questions about yeah. what they're doing because it's in the past you could, you know, whether you were technically, um, you know, educated or not, you could sort of deduce how something yeah. happened. The wheel and, was this. And, and if you think about it, technically, you know, we're probably opting into a lot of the ways things are being used, but we don't understand the impact of them. Yes. You know, and I think Facebook's probably a good example of technically we've probably opted into a lot of things that when they start coming to fruition, 
um, you know, we're like, wait a second, how did you know about that? It's so. funny to me. I this is a probably a little too far, um, but it's where my head goes when I think of this. It, it's a literacy thing. Mm-hmm. So we we battled. We still battle in, in the global effect, but in, in this country at least, we battled forever about literacy and like those who couldn't read are basically left out. Like mm-hmm. that, you're just not able to grow. You're not able to to keep up. I think that the vast majority of, of Americans and probably people across the world who are not technically literate in any capacity, whether that means they actually know how to code or they know the impact of code uh, or, or of the next ed, you know blockchain and where, where things are going, I think that literacy barrier is, is the reason that you know, people can take advantage of them. It's the reason that things like you know, Facebook can get the smartest person to click yes because it's, you, know, you want this thing so bad. Mm. Um, but I, I think that as these things start to, to evolve... I'm hoping that people will start to pay more attention to it and recognize, like yourself, like I understood that I'm giving liberties to Facebook out of yeah. convenience. Amazon yeah. the same. I Yeah, literacy is probably one piece of it, and I certainly don't want to pick on Facebook by any means. We but, should. It's fine. But I think because technology and humanity have become so intertwined yeah. and technologies become woven into so many of the things that yeah. we do every day, we don't even realize um, you know, how literate we are actually becoming yeah. you know it's kind well, of some happening. of us yeah <laughs> i mean we live in a kind of a bubble but like I, I was talking about earlier today um you know this facebook libra thing for those of you and it doesn't you know i'm not going to go into the whole crypto thing but like for those of you who are are in crypto and blockchain whether it's because you like the freak you know like, like the volatility or because you actually see the application for the first time that i have seen since even the rage of like when it was above bitcoins above ten thousand and things are crazy um I had some older people come up to me and, and ask about crypto and blockchain today because of Libra, hmm. because Facebook made their announcement about their crypto. Hmm. And that was the first time that it, it landed in their court where like a person, older, obviously older person is on Facebook and they were like, so you're saying I can sell stuff on Facebook and keep everything right there. And the, and the, I was like, yeah, you're thinking about it. Like that's a, like, that's the first step. Yeah. We got to get people to think about it. And I, I think Correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think that that actually is an even better for for the cons- consumer, but it's also even better for the businesses because now people know to share with you what they want to share to get what they want in return yeah. versus just blindly just trying to like steal insight. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, you know, we're uh, what, you know, Facebook's created is really an ecosystem. Yeah. You don't need to leave it to do all the things you need to do, which is kind of the point. Correct, um, yeah. And it's become... Amazon very similarly. Yes, Amazon others. as well. Amazon's created an entire ecosystem around buying, selling, um, you know, things. Um, and you, you can get all of your needs met um, inside of the Amazon ecosystem. And they're they're trying lots of different things now around chat and business tools. And, I mean, obviously, Amazon Web Services is a huge business, um, you know, tool and the underpinning of many of our technologies. But... Um, but yeah, I mean, it's about creating these ecosystems that you never need to leave and continuing to add incremental um, tools or features like, uh, you know, getting into cryptocurrency. Yep. Um, so you never have to leave it. Well, I think it's um, it's one of those things, whether it's a cause effect here, but I, I, I feel like we're getting to a point now and you're obviously seeing it in your own business, clearly, mm-hmm. um, where the businesses are asking the right questions and, and they're starting to figure out like, you're not just collecting data just to like create a random profile. Like there's a purpose and you can use it whether it's good or bad. You can use it to create a better product. You can use it at a certain point. Customers expect 
that the product is going to be intuitive. And if it's not, then I think that falls on you not using data properly or not yeah. collecting it or whatever. Because yeah. you're going to lose if you're not building a product that people receive and are like, oh, that made sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, pretty unanimously across the businesses that, that we work with, um, the table stakes now are a digital strategy, you know, having purpose-built digital channels yep. in that are tied to business outcomes. Th- those are table stakes. And so now the next logical question that pretty unanimously all of them are saying are, what should we be doing with the data? How do we use that to drive the next outcome? How do we use that more intelligently both to um, you know, create better experiences for our customers, but also help us achieve the business outcomes that we want to? And is there an opportunity to monetize it? Are there, is there an opp- opportunity to create new streams of revenue from data that we have? Um, so, As I pivot over to the conversation about women in tech and things, I, I do want to ask one question that sort of came to me just as you were talking about this. You mentioned a good portion of your customers are Fortune 500 large companies. Uh, obviously, you had a strong background working at Accenture for a you know, solid amount of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of those companies I'm, that you worked with there, I'm going to guess, are similar Fortune 1000 to 500, yeah. very about. Yeah. Do you guys have, have you had a lot of experience working with sort of the like SMB um, not startup, but like SMB yeah. traditional? No, I mean, we have, you know, clients that are in the, I don't know, one to, you know, 20 billion yeah. or say, you know, kind of range. Um, and the small guys. Yeah, the small guys. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good problem to have. I'm not, I'm not knocking it. Uh, no, I, I asked this not because of, of the business, but as much as in my experience working with some of these companies, I, I always felt like, and this is just riffing at this point, mm-hmm. um, I always felt that the company, there were, save for the, the outliers, there were a good amount of companies in the SMB spot that I thought were very nimble, that mm. could do amazing things, but just didn't quite get the data piece. They mm. just didn't quite get where things are going, and, and maybe they didn't have the volume to be able to collect the database that would be significant enough to do something. But I was just curious if, if you guys have had... If there's a different reaction when you talk to Fortune 500 to 1,000 companies and explain to them the impact of business intelligence versus going to those that are SMBs and explain them like th- how much they could gain from it. Do you, do you see a disconnect or is it just... Yeah, I think, I think it's just a matter of prioritization, right? I mean, sometimes on the SMB side, there's other money. things that are yeah. burning that are burning issues. You yep. know, are, are the are the table stakes around what we need to run and grow our business um, in yet? Yeah. Um, and so, again, it just gets to prioritization. Um, can we buy something that helps give us a head start and then, you know, kind of, kind of use that? So I think where we are with our larger clients is they've got the resources yep. um, and they've already been on their digital journeys. And so, they're, again, they're, they're to the place in their digital journeys where they're now saying, okay, the next horizon and getting the most value out of our investments uh, from a digital perspective perspective is saying, how are we going to use the data? So like the, the funny thing about what you said is to me, um, dating back to my conversations with all these small businesses, by the way, I, I consulted for a bunch of these companies and I quit because I couldn't take this conversation anymore. Now I just have with people like you, um, that, that can like, we can have an intelligent conversation that I don't have to like completely break your arm to get you to do something that's very obvious. Um, these smaller companies you talk about, should we acquire this line of business? Should we, you know, focus on these things, the products that our customers want? The pro, if, if you actually use data the right way and you invested in an infrastructure to collect, whether it was just testing, using social, whatever it was, um, to answer the, the valuable question of what features do we build or have first because our customers use it the most. Mm-hmm. I find a lot of the small businesses, and in this case I am talking about startups as well, spend a lot of money building out entire products or feature sets without actually taking the time to pause and test and verify or validate. 
that the customer base would in fact care hmm. about this very expensive back end that they built when really I just use you for this. Yeah. And if they would have taken a data approach, they probably would have outperformed all of their competitors that are equal in size because they wouldn't have made the mistakes. Well, I agree and disagree. OK, so I no, this is. good. Yeah, no, I think I mean, if, if you think <clears throat> about it, you know, doing a ton of research kind of flies in the face of what makes startups successful. You well, know, they research kind of- depends on, on when you say research. I look at research like. We talk about this for ourselves in the, in the, the social, social media is like the most scalable study group of all time. Yeah. Like I can invest $25,000 or $50,000 yeah. and find out from a, a, a group of people who would be my target users, yeah. would they find this valuable? Here's, here's our core belief. It's yep. just enough, right? You need just an, and, and test and learn. And, yep. the, and the quicker you can get something in front of your customer, um, the more you're going to learn and the more it's going to inform where you should place your next bet. Um, and w- what we don't advise is spending a ton of time gold plating something yep. and doing a big a big launch without having any of that interaction, you know, baked in with the real customer. So with the, re- the real end user to get the real data. So, so kind of the, the way we approach it is, you know, ethno- ethnographic um, and, and, and consumer insights research. Right, yep. we get right in front of the customer, we shadow them, we ask them questions, we put prototypes in front of them, we try to really understand and gain empathy for what it's like to be you, um, and what. What are the pain points that you're not telling us about that we can observe yeah. um, so that we can find where the magic is um, in the things that you don't say, um, but but the situation, you know, the, the, that you're kind of in. And then we can use that information to inform, OK, this is what the first you know release or the first um, the first feature should maybe look like. And then let's get it out there yeah. and let's put the right mechanisms in to collect data and, and to watch it and to see what happens. Um, and then let's iterate. Let's learn. Let's iterate. Let's let's do things so that we can quickly, rapidly deploy the next feature and learn from it. Um, and and the, the key is having a cadence and having a rhythm so that you can quickly pivot and you can quickly deploy. I was just going to say, yeah. like, there's a there's a right yeah. mixture, and it's different for everybody, yeah. right? I mean, I, I think we're both in agreement. Product market fit yeah. is the ultimate. Like, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. that's what we're yeah. trying to achieve. And then it's like, do I do I do research too long before I get to build a product to get it in your hands, or yeah. do I try to build the most amazing product before I get it in there's your hands? There's just enough sweet spot. Yeah, so I'm, I lo- I'm definitely I lo- not I'm saying stealing that, I'm definitely not saying don't do research and don't. No, you of know, course. But there's a just enough sweet spot. You, you um, need to like once you land on we got the market, we we know I where to play, like we know, know how customer. to win. Okay, now when we're getting down to what what are we actually going to build? What's it going to look like? What are we going to do? How are we going to do it? You know, it's like just enough. Just enough to get it going. I will always credit you, but I'm stealing that. <laughs> I probably I'm, stole it from someone it's else. It's fine. So. <laughs> we're not gonna. Cre- you're gonna get credit because you were okay. the one I heard it from. Okay. So that's where I'm taking it from. <laughs> um, okay. So now the the final piece is if it's it's the most important, but we saved it for last. Mm. Is the women in tech? Mm. Um, obviously, you are a female CEO of a company that's a tech company. Your background at Accenture is you know a decade or so. I, I imagine in 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 tech, like uh, actually. Yeah. Uh, yeah, my background. Altogether. So, yeah. I mean, you've you have you have been in a space that has been, for the most part, male dominated. Is like mm-hmm. the understatement of the century, not just in tech, but also in engineering, but also as yeah. a CEO. Yeah. And I've had the fortune of spending a lot of time with some amazing female CEOs and amazing women in tech, working with Capital One over the years and Ann Young when she was there before she went to Morningstar mm-hmm. on uh, women who code, men as allies. Mm-hmm. We've championed that as as far as we can, and we've always worked with, in my opinion, going to um, very young children and of all age and gender and sex and everything else um, and, and try to get coding in their hand. We've talked to like Katie Lynch at Codeverse and just anything we can do to, to try to make this go uh, more democratically. Mm-hmm. What has been your experience 
Like, I, and I, 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 there's a reason I didn't leave this because I can't stand when we do. And I've been yelled at as well by Julie Novak. You're welcome, Julie, uh, for leading a conversation about being a woman and a CEO because it's mm-hmm. a, like no one would ask a man what's it like to be a man as a CEO. But I do think it's it's important for other um, male CEOs, but also female up and coming CEOs to understand what the experience is like. What is what is it like to go from here, and how to how do you believe? Uh, we can continue to make it a better, more diverse workplace. Yeah, sure. I mean, I'm a I'm a core believer in you can't be what you can't see. Yep. Um, and so, you know, I think just by kind of being in the position that I'm in and giving other people an example of what a CEO looks like um, and, and having them be inquisitive about what was your journey like, you know, and telling stories about where I started or where others like me started. I mean, that's really how I kept going was nobody told me I couldn't. Yep. Um, you know, you just you just kept moving. And, uh, and you know, I'm a person who always likes a challenge and kind of leans into, um, you know, what's next and never been done before and, and those kinds of things. Just enough. Just enough. <laughs> just do just, just enough. enough. Um, but, yeah, I mean, again, I just think you can't be what you can't see. So, um, you know, all of the all of the trailblazers before me um, and, you know, the mentors that I've had in my career, um, you know, there was always women around. There were always women um, in the environment that I was in. And I, you know, I've worked in large enterprises as a consultant um, and then now, you know, kind of as a as, as a business leader myself, um, you know, there were always women around, um, you know, in, in my in my, in my profession, um, you know, kind of working alongside me. And I think younger in my career, I just kind of anchored on, um, you know, what did I admire about other people or their journey? Or, you know, who did I want to mimic? Who yep. did I want to be like? Like, what what journey did I want to know more about? Um, and, and what was I interested in as well? And so my interest just kind of pushed me into business and technology um, in college. Um, and I had good mentors that I could talk to about. Um, and I was just always curious um, about, you know, some of the um, emerging technologies that were coming out. And so that just kept pulling me into technology. And I just stayed true to um, driving into what I was always interested in. Um, and so I just I just did it. <laughs> you know, I just kind of stuck with it. Um, there's no magic bullet. Like, I get asked this question a lot. Um, like, what's it like to be me? I yeah. mean, it's 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 hard. It's as hard as it is for anyone else who's leading a business or as easy, um, you know, as it is for anyone else kind of leading a business, um, you know, running a family, um, you know, it's, it's kind of a genderless, these are kind of genderless things. Yeah. Um, it's, 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 so it's, it's interesting. So like, yeah. I had the same conversation with Christy Ross at, uh, at Tasty Trade, yeah. same conversation, obviously, as mentioned before with Julie Novak from Party Slate and Julie's story was more unique because someone actually asked her the question at a panel we were doing about like, what's it like to be a female CEO yeah. with kids? And she was like, no one's ever asked my husband, what's it like to be the CEO of a company and have kids like it's just a stupid yeah. thing um and christy talked a lot the, about the that. real person that'll probably give you the, ex- the the right example about what's it like for me to be a ceo is if you asked my husband yeah there yeah that's actually well, <laughs> that's probably what it feels like pro- yeah exactly and it's and so like and i guess that kind of the that's actually a perfect response yeah. because christy one of her things was she she basically said like it does we don't need to talk about me being the ceo of this company or it, that doesn't matter what matters is being self-aware yeah. What matters is like I have responsibilities as a human being in my family and my job, my career. And I understand that we don't live in a world that's 50 50. I don't understand. I, I just know that. Like we'd like to change it. We'd like yeah. to swing the vote. But like I got to know what's in front of me. You, you talked about it earlier. I, gotta, I can't manage what I can't see. Yeah. You have to be self-aware that there are other people out there that maybe have different views or whatever. And it, 
it's in your advantage to just be aware. And I believe that we are in the fundamental shift right now that's happening. I sure hope so. There's a lot it's of time. change that's happening. Um, and this isn't just about this isn't just about women. So yeah. I, I always say, like, I feel like we're in the messy middle right now yeah. of a bigger shift that's happening. That's, you know, my my boys, um, they're seven and 10 years old. Can I say hi to them? You surely may. Hi, Jack. Hi, PJ. Um, they're seven and 10 years old. And all they know is a mom who's a CEO yep. who also cooks, who also can help with homework, who also travels a lot, who also has a dad that can pick them up and drop them off from school, who also likes to do laundry. Yeah. Right. Like this is all they know. This is a new normal. And yep. so I feel like we're in the middle of this shift where a businessman can become the president. Um, an African-American become, can become the president. A female can run for president and will become president yep. someday, I'm sure. Um, th- these are all normal things now. And we're just all being conditioned right now to see things that maybe traditionally weren't, um, weren't the norm. They're now coming into the front and center as the new reality. And it's, and it's okay. And so, again, we're pushing through where maybe there was a time when these were things that were difficult to talk about or seemed odd. But I think now we're just in the in the place where a lot of these things are just normal. And, and, and I, yeah. I live for the day when we don't have to talk about this anymore. I, I and you so know? do we. I mean, we we yeah. have forever always carried this sort of like you know when we had the showcase events, we had yeah. always had fifty fifty female male, and we had a, about a third minority represented. It was like we never talked. That wasn't on the ad. Yeah, it was just like that was the world we lived in, and we we'd like you to see it and then not talk about it, like just experience yeah. it. Um, to your point, it's kind of going back to our Facebook conversation, but. There's going to be some good and bad in this pivot, in this pivotal moment where yeah. things go. Uh, we are experiencing some of the bad, depending on who you are and where you sit in things, and some yeah. of the good. Um, but I, I think there's a maturation process with the change, and I am hoping that, at least in this country, but globally, that we, we land in a, a better spot than we have been and that yeah. this becomes not a conversation. And I think it's also about acknowledging we don't, we're not talking about everybody trying to be the same. Correct. We're talking about appreciating our differences and acknowledging that it just does feel different yep. for you know, a female to be in a, in, in a CEO role or any role yeah. than it does for a man. And that's okay. Like we should be okay talking about it. Right. I, I agree. We, we are just fundamentally different beasts. I think, you if know, there's, and no, that's okay. I, I totally agree. I think if there was one thing I'd like to circle in this, it's like, if I could just scream this at people, yeah. it's that taking the approach and this has been used for a million things in history of this sort of like, well, let's set a quota or let's set a line. It's like, Ah, mm. why can't we just pick the right people for the right spot? Now, there are biases that we have to defeat, and that's a socioeconomical thing. That's something different. Yeah. We've got to figure out a place where it's like, she's a CEO. She's like, just change the word. She, he, she, it, it's, inner, it's different people who have different assets can be the same role and be different people. Yeah. And we sort of get away from that sometimes. Yeah. Which I think is a challenge. The other thing you said that I want to uh, kind of wrap on this part of is, and, and I, I don't, this is so trivial, but I always use this one when we talk about the, the minorities in tech and women in tech. Um, you talk about Hillary Clinton running for president and we have obviously Warren and, and others and eventually mm-hmm. there will be a female president. Uh, this has always stuck in my mind. Uh, Sarah Silverman, of all people, mm-hmm. uh, a comedian, said in one of her pieces, this is like, I think it was like eight years ago and it stuck with me, um, talking about a little girl and saying to her someday, the mother and the father say, you know, someday you too could become president. Mm-hmm. And she was like, why the hell would you say that? Because it never had occurred to her that she couldn't. You put that doubt. When we say to people, you know, you could do this. Yeah. That's it's a like, great don't point. ever say that. Yeah. Because it never dawned on them that they couldn't. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's the piece that I, I try to like, if we could get that across to people, I think that would be, we'd be living a better place. Yeah. 
this is awesome. I really appreciate That's you great. coming and taking the time. And, Thank you for having and me. Talking. Uh, where can people go to learn more about anything you're involved in, whether it's the Women in Tech or it's Solstice yeah. or the company or, or uh, you know, Ken and Carter, where, yeah, it's a, you, could, you could check out solstice.com. Uh, you can yeah. also find us on, if you if you follow us on Twitter, at we Solstice can, um, or that. at Manthe. You can always follow me. Um, on Twitter as well. Um, awesome. But yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming in. Thanks for having me. Of course. You can learn about more upcoming Technory events, investment opportunities. Check out the blog. Subscribe to the newsletter at Technory.com. Download the podcast on Spotify or Apple or Google or wherever you get yours. Uh, follow us on social at Technory, and you can follow me at Katoon. Boom. That's a wrap.